When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me is my fellow host, Ariel. Hello. So I'm sorry about the last episode. I did lose my voice, so I wasn't able to finish the recording with Ariel. Um, and as you can tell, I'm still a little sick. So, But we're going to push through this. Um, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the big baddies of Skyward Sword, and that is the bosses. And I'm pretty excited about this. Yes. So there's a, there's a lot of memorable bosses from the Skyward Sword series. Uh, but we're going to start the uh, the quote unquote countdown with none other than one of the more, let's say, established and used enemies in Skyward Sword, uh, Giraham. So I have a little bit of a blurb here. Gearham is the main antagonist for the majority of the Zelda Skyward Sword series. Um, when he first appears, he kidnaps Zelda with the tornadoes, what we discussed before, and he's pops up frequently. You know, he's the first actual boss you fight. You fight him again later. And then the final time you fight him, it's the second to last boss battle in the entire series. But I want to talk about him first because there are some things about him that go a little missed. So the first thing that's missed is how he, he really displays the same slick manner that Ganon does in the series. He's very slick. He's very cunning and manipulative. He shares that quality with Ganon. You know, the typical villain. Of course. There's another thing, though. He has a striking resemblance to Vati from the Minish Cap. His attire also um, shares the kind of symbols and similar appearance to the Gilded Sword and Majora's Mask. So if you go back and look at his character design, you'll see all these things, too. Now, I promise. <laughs> So there's a little tidbit here from Aiji. When he was asked if Giraham reminded him of David Bowie, he agreed that there were similarities uh, to contrast with Ganon as well. And he relayed that Giraham was purposely given a unisex-like genderless feel because of him being Demise's sword. He wanted him to he wanted this character to feel fluid 
genderless and, you know, kind of follow that path line because he was, in fact, a sword the whole time. So I thought that was a really creative take on this. Yeah. So all that being said, a few more tidbits with him. His battles were some of the harder battles in the game, and it was because they wanted his... Nintendo wanted his battles to be some of the most memorable because they wanted you to have that feel like he was going to be the main antagonist the whole series. They wanted to keep you guessing throughout the entire series for this game. So when they made it so that his slashes had to be almost anticipated or guessed, they that was an added challenge to this character. Uh, Another one was there are multiple ways to get him to deflect or anticipate your own shots incorrectly from holding the Wiimote in different directions to sporadically flinging the remote everywhere to get Giraham to try to block everything before you slash. Uh, There were multiple ways. So that's a little bit on Giraham. And the last thing we have to say about Giraham was... The question on everybody's mind, when and why did he become a basically a sentient being from being a sword? That answer lies at the ending of the game, where Giraham spells all and basically says his whole purpose in life was basically to ensure the resurrection of demise one way or the other. So basically, he was granted sentience as a sword to go forth and complete the task that demise could not after he was sealed away or even before he was sealed away while Hylia was doing her thing to prep for the future. That means demise was doing his as well because demise knew what was coming before he even came to the final battle. So this is where we introduce Gearham as an actual character going through the process of trying to get his master resurrected. So that's what we have on Gearham. The next character we have to talk about is none other than Demise himself. Demise was an internal entity who had conquered time itself. So when the Golden Goddesses departed from the world, we know that they entrusted the Triforce to Goddess Hylia to protect it. However, at the same time, Demise wanted to make the world his own and he gathered his forces of monsters and demons alike, and that's when he launched the attack on the surface. So just shortly after the goddess Hylia was given the Triforce to protect is when Demise launched his assault. We know what happened after that. You know, the goddess Hylia, you know, to prevent it from falling into Demise's hands, sent it off and, you know, did all the things she did. But the the key to all of this is the very first part of that sentence. Demise is an eternal entity who had conquered time itself. So meaning Demise is a timeless being. He's been around for anyone's guess. Three years. Three years. (laughs) You said it was my guess. So... A couple notes to take away from here 
is that Demise Demise is incredibly powerful for a being of demonic entity. You know, we we take down a lot of demons or demon clan enemies throughout the series. Demise is one of the few that can only be wounded by the Master Sword. And we know this because when we're fighting Demise, we even hear Phi mention that. That Demise can only be wounded by the Master Sword. So no other weapons can actually touch him. And the reason this is, is because the Master Sword is a goddess created a you know weapon. It is created by the gods. So it would make, you know, stand to reason that a god weapon could basically wound a god. Because that's essentially what Demise is. And god of evil. You know, the king of demons. So the next thing we have to talk about Demise is the final battle. The final battle, he basically curses curses both Zelda and Link and himself in saying that whenever you are reincarnated my hatred for the surface people will also be reincarnated and we see that happen in future installments of the series with Ganon or Ganondorf or whatever form he takes it's always the same it's always his vile hatred and his disgust for the surface dwellers. And you can tell when it is a reincarnation of his hatred because the reincarnation will always share that flaming red hair that Demise had. And that is directly from the Nintendo team itself. They will ensure that every reincarnation of him has that same feature which is a pretty cool detail to keep in mind I want a red streak in my hair (laughs) so that's pretty much all we have on demise other than a couple trivia pieces so I'm going to bring a little trivia today so one of the first trivia piece I have about demise is despite being referred to as a male, Phi actually calls Demise it while describing Demise to Link. So that is canon. Demise has no discernible gender, which, you know, that's incredible to think about. We've already talked about the bug net with Demise. Um... The next little trivia fact, though, is Demise bears a glowing X-shaped scar on its forehead, which may result from the ceiling spike. If you look on Demise's reincarnation of Ganondorf, Ganondorf wears a forehead jewel in Twilight Princess that covers a similar scar. Which is really cool because we get to see that scar as a weak point in Twilight Princess. So the next and last little trivia fact I have here is two of Ganondorf's weapons in Hyrule Warriors are their titles are the Sword of Demise and the Trident of Demise. So there's two weapons that are named directly for Demise and are designed specifically around Demise's, you know, kind of appearance. 
So yeah, that is what we have for the two big baddies of Skyward Sword. And, you know, we could talk about the Imprisoned for a while, but there's not much to talk about with the, you know, Imprisoned version of Demise. It's basically just the evil Icar of Demise trying to escape and reform itself. So with all that being said, I think it's time for our mid-break. Well, here we are in the middle of the episode. And Ariel, I have some exciting news. Oh, do tell. Uh, Our Patreon is almost finished. (laughs) We wanted to get some more details uh, and some a few more, you know, kind of things figured out before we decided to announce it. But I'm happy to announce uh, some of the tiers that we have right now. So the first tier is our fairy tier. It's, you know, $5 a month and you get early access to episodes and commercial free access to episodes. Our Kokiri tier is $10 per month and it gives access to bonus episodes, early access to episodes, shout outs and two giveaway entries per month. So keep in mind on that one. We'll talk about that one in a second. We have our Shika at a $25 a month tier and this gives you early access to episodes, bonus episodes, LOZ merch. Yep, that's right. LOZ Lurecast merch. Shout outs. Four entries to our giveaways. And a guest appearance once a month on the show when we do our Patreon episodes. I'm pretty excited about those. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. So the last two tiers we have are Hyrule Royalty, which in this tier, it gives you bonus episodes, early access to episodes, LOZ Lurecast merch, Shoutouts, guest appearance once a month, six entries into giveaway, and special LOZ surprise merch. And this is actual on-the-market merch. And we'll talk about that in a second, too. In the last level, which we expect no one to jump into, (laughs) is our Golden Goddess level. At this level, you get access to everything in the first couple tiers. You get 10 entries in the giveaways. You get a rarity up special LOZ surprise merch, which bumps you up into special, special merch. And you get exclusive one of a kind custom merch the first time you sign up at this level. Uh, And it will be one of a kind. No one else will get access to it. This is a you and you only exclusive. So the first thing I want to talk about here, though, is the giveaways. So me and Ariel have been working long and hard to figure out what we can do for you guys as fans. And what we decided was we're going to do special, a a special kind of giveaway. Once we hit a certain tier point on our Patreon, we're going to be giving away Nintendo Switches every now and again. And we're going to give along with that Nintendo Switch, we're going to be giving away a copy of whatever Legend of Zelda game you choose when you win. So I'm pretty excited about that one. In addition to that, though, when you get the specialty merch, these specialty merch items are going to be things that me and Ariel thought were super cool. We found out there scouring the Internet when we, you know, figure out things to bring you all. And we're going to be grabbing some goodies up and we're going to be sending them your way. So there's going to be a lot to offer and the Patreon is going to change you know, from here and there, you know, we're going to figure things out as we go kind of thing, but we're definitely going to make sure that you as the fans get as much out of 
your patronage as much as possible. We want to make sure that we give back to you as much as you give to us. So there you go. <laughs> A lot of info drop right there. Oh, yeah. Um, but on that note, it's also midbreak time. We have to bring some things to the table. So, Ariel, what do you got? So, I found something on Etsy. Ooh. This is from Sapphire Design Studio. And it is a the Sacred Triforce-inspired Zelda Trio engagement ring. No. Yeah, so all those lucky ladies out there, you can get them an awesome Zelda engagement ring. So... You can select your material, such as sterling silver, uh, white gold, sorry, sterling silver, uh, 10K white or yellow gold, a 14K white or yellow gold, an 18K white or ye- and yellow gold. You have 10K white gold, 14K white gold, 18K white gold, and then you have the 10K white rose gold, 14K white rose gold. And the 18K white rose gold. And the prices vary on this. So with a sterling silver, you're looking at $519. But if you want to get with the highest number is the 18K white rose gold, which is $1,468. And I know that sounds like a lot, but this is a very, very nice so on these you can get the band itself is white gold unless you get the sterling silver then you have the brackets that the diamonds are in and of course that's what the triforce is on and you can get that in the white gold gold or rose gold and there's three diamonds in the middle with a few smaller diamonds going down the sides of the band. Ooh. It's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I will put the link in the show notes for this. So if you're special someone, you're you know, you're looking to propose your special someone and they're a huge Legend of Zelda fan, that would be the perfect gift. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> So I brought something on the other end of the spectrum for this one. This goes on your feet. I brought us some cool kicks. <laughs> oh, do you share? So if you go to gearanime.com, you can pick up some Princess Zelda custom sneakers. So these sneakers run about $99. The exact amount is $99 dollars and 95 cents so probably right around a hundred dollars or more with shipping and everything (coughs) excuse me but they're pretty cool they're breath of the wild zelda themed so they've got that that you know that royal blue that kind of like i don't know what you would call it the tealish blue yeah that's definitely not royal blue (laughs) it's teal so you have that, and then you have the gold trim. You have the Hyrulean fami- royal family crest at the very top of the sneaker, and then you have Zelda on the side with her name in the oh-so-familiar Breath of the Wild font. Um, it's pretty cool. They're really cool looking. They're really well done. 
And for you, those of you who want some Zelda kicks in your life, these are the ones for you. Yeah, the shoes are pretty awesome. So, with all that being said, the last thing I want to do is give a very big special shout out to everyone who listens, who shares, to who comments. We, we appreciate the love. We really do. Yeah, and feel free to hit up our Discord. Talk about some... Legend of Zelda stuff. Azra's always in the Discord, blowing it up with fan, you know, fan theories and things. I love it. <laughs> and of course, if you're looking for an ocarina, oh yes, of course, I'm gonna say this. So head on over to STL Ocarina. You can use our promo code LOZLORE10 and get 10% off your purchase. I love the fact that they reached out to us and was like, hey, we want to give you and your fans uh, a little bit of a discount off of these. Yeah, that's great and amazing. It was. It was. So go buy some ocarinas. Yes. They're fantastic. I'm getting ready to place the order for our ocarinas here soon. I want to learn to play this ocarina. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. So I, uh, I, again, best quality ocarinas you can get. For the best, you know, bang for your buck. Yeah, and not only do you get ocarinas, you also get a songbook. Yes, of different different Zelda songs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they yeah. and they're they're really easy to learn songbooks too, which is what I love about it. That's why I cannot wait to get ours so I can start learning to play some ocarina. Maybe I'll put some concerts on. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh goodness! Well, with all that being said, I think it's time for us to jump to the end of our boss episode so here we are at the end of the episode and we still got a lot of bosses to talk about yes we do (laughs) so i'm gonna go ahead and throw it on over to ariel and leave it up to her yes you got lucky with just two i know (laughs) so i'm going to start with sub bosses first and work our way up. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Moldorak, an Araka that has reached the age of 1,000 years. And two of them appear throughout the game. One as the main boss of the Laneiru mining facility and is overall the third boss of the game and another later encountered at the Laneiru shipyard in the Laneiru Sand Sea as a mini-boss. The Moldorak will defend itself with its claws, but once it drops its guard to attack, you must slash the eyes inside the claws in the opposite direction that the claws are guarding. If the claw opens vertically, you must slash it horizontally, and vice versa. After slashing the eyes, one of them will turn red, and Moldorak will then attempt to grab you. You can break free by shaking the Wiimote and Nunchuck. The slingshot is helpful during this phase of the battle, as its pellets stun the eyes temporarily, so you can proceed to inflict damage to them. And after you hit the claw enough times, it will fall off, and you must then do the same for the remaining claw. Moldorak will then burrow under the sand and try to attack with its stinger, Although this attack is easily avoidable with a backflip or a side jump. So, 
Have fun with that. (laughs) A lot of things you have to do, but that's what mini bosses are. So it's pretty cool that it's basically a thousand year old Araka. I thought that was a really cool little snippet of like backstory that it had. Because honestly, I thought it was the mama when I first played this. (laughs) Nope. Nope. So next I'm going to talk about the LD002G Scarvo. Also known as the LD002S Scarvo. And it he is a robotic skeletal pirate captain. Hence the name Scurvo for Scurvy. <laughs> so he is a formidable, formidable pirate captain who once commanded a crew of pirates. He uses a drill which acts like a sword that sparks with electricity. Many years ago, Scurvo had usurped the sand ship from Skipper and still has it under his command. It is also implied by Fi that Scurvo once served Skipper before mutinying from him. And you encounter him on the sand ship. The battle is based on a ring out endurance and has three rounds. Behind you is a spike equipped wall that will hurt him upon contact. Behind Skurvo is a chasm that leads to the Lanayru Sand Sea. You have to get him, attack him, and force him to retreat to the edge of the sand ship and push him closer to the chasm. And conversely, he will try to attack you, and the more times he does so, the more steps he will take forwards, which you must prevent. So next on the list is... Moldorms. And in Skyward Sword, they reside out of sight underground. They are encountered only when you enter an underground tunnel with the Magma Mits. Striking their tail segment with the Magma Mits will destroy the rear segments and increase their movement speed, with three strikes required to defeat them. And this appears in the Fire Sanctuary. And next we will go into the Magmanos. And they are hand-shaped enemies consisting of molten lava. They are found in various fenced magma pits in the fire sanctuary. They attack by rising from the magma below the room's grate, with their palms facing upward, pursuing you wherever you go. You can take advantage of this to reach higher areas by standing on stone slabs in the room, which the Magmanos will raise as they emerge below. To defeat them, you must solidify their bodies by splashing water on them, usually in the form of thrown water fruit. Once they are solid and immobile, you can destroy their bodies with your standard arsenal of weapons. Defeating all of them in a room will lower their magma pits, allowing you to reach previously inaccessible areas. And now let's get into bosses. Now keep in mind, I'm going to skip the ones Aaron had previously talked about earlier in this episode. 
So I'm going to start with Kaloktos. So as you enter the final room of the ancient cistern, you immediately encounter Girahim inside. Girahim supplies the dormant Kaloktos with cursed energy, giving it the mobility and power to battle you. Kaloktos is held together by the red cores in its arms and torso, and aware of its weakness, Kaloktos covers its torso with its bottom two hands. The uppermost arms carry sharpened blades that it occasionally throws at you, which you can dodge or block with your shield. When you're near the Kaloktos, it tries to crush you with its giant arms. By dodging this attack and using your whip to grab the arm's joints, you can break off the cores from its arms. After breaking off the first two arms, Kaloktos will eventually use its lower hands to attack, giving you a chance to either break them off as well and attack its core, or attack its core directly as Kaloktos prepares the attack with its arms. After it has suffered enough damage, it pulls itself out of the floor and re reveals its legs, giving it the ability to chase you around the room. It also pulls out six cutlasses and cages its chest core to prevent you from attacking it. And here's a little fun fact. In alignment with the ancient cistern's apparently Buddhist theme, Kaloktos's overall design seems to take inspiration from the deity Asura. So that's a little interesting fact for you there. Now the last one I'm going to talk about is the Bilisite. It's a large parasite that infiltrates and possesses Levias, who lives inside the giant Thunderhead near Skyloft. It has a single large head that contains a vulnerable eyeball and two frills. It's two main weaknesses. It also has many tentacles, each holding an eye at the end, extended from holes along Levias's body. To defeat Bilisite, you, you must first use your Loftwing to spiral charge into the eyeball at the end of each tentacle hanging out of Levias's body. Alternatively, using the bow and a well-aimed arrow, you can shoot down the tentacles from atop Levias. Once all of the tentacles have been destroyed, a single eyeball will attack you from its position rooted inside Levias's blowhole. This larger eyeball is not another tentacle, but the head of the parasite. When it appears, you must land on top Levias' head to lure it out to battle. Bilisite attacks you by spitting green projectiles at you from its mouth, which you must deflect with your sword towards Bilisite's frills, closing them. After hitting both frills with the parasite's own projectiles, you can either reflect more projectiles into Bilisite's eye, use a skyward strike, or fire an arrow at it to bring it down, allowing you to release a barrage of sword strikes on the creature. After repeating this process a few more times, Bilisite is destroyed and Levias is restored to his senses. And another little fun fact, Levias and Bilisite 
are the only bosses that cannot be challenged in the Thunder Dragon's lightning round. So that's pretty cool. So, alright, that is the bosses that I have. Aaron is still feeling a little under the weather, so I'm going to finish this episode out again. So I hope you all enjoy, and we'll see you next Saturday. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter, at LOZLorecast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.